when I say we just fucking pull the trigger, just do the intro, do some little bullshit, get this thing rolling. All right, play the intro. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the GITM podcast with Phil and Travis. Travis, how are you doing tonight? I was doing pretty well, and then I found out that apparently there was another mass shooting. See, this is why I don't listen to the news. Yeah. Don't, don't care anymore. In Texas. Poor Texas. Well, it was a fucking outlet mall, and then I guess some news outlet, I think I said, I think it said it was NBC, don't quote me on this, this is from Twitter, was saying that the shooter may have neo-Nazi um, and white supremacist beliefs. His first name is Mauricio, and he's Hispanic. Something tells me he doesn't fall under the white supremacy guild. I think that's a fairly fairly sturdy limb to go out on. You would think. I mean, I know the prison gangs, like, it's all, you know, green is the color that matters, really, at the end of the day. That is true. But I don't think that this guy falls under, like, I don't think the KKK is like, what's up, Marich, Marich, Mark? They're not actively recruiting them, you're saying? I don't think so. I, well, you know, maybe their numbers are down. They got they're trying to gr- expand. I, I don't mean, know. I could be wrong, but I feel like I'm not. Hmm. Well, they also called Candace Owen uh racist, so. Hmm. So, who Holy shit, speaking of random stuff, I heard Brittany Griner speaking after like a game or before a game or some shit. Never yeah. heard her actually speak. Man, that girl has got a deep ass voice. I never have I heard her speak in my life? Neither had I. Well, I was just shocked. I was like, damn. Like seven foot tall. Yeah, I know. It made sense once I thought sense. about it. But I was a little shocked fitting. at first. Yeah. Maybe it was the Russian prison that did it. Hardened you up. What she went she, in. What if she's got Russian prison tats now? Probably not. Russian prison tats are pretty. Uh, you got to earn those, don't you? Yeah. Okay. Like, they all mean something. Like, the fucking nautical star means something. And I watched a whole documentary about it. I don't remember any of it. I wasn't really paying attention. Yeah. Well, it wasn't about ancient civilizations, which is my current uh, field of interest lately. Ancient civilizations? Yeah. Anything good on that front? Uh, we- I, honestly, I think that there is a at least one episode forthcoming on just talking about shit like that, because I know that it interests you as well. Yes, I do find it interesting. You know, Graham Hancock, a little Graham all that Hancock stuff. action, you know. Did you see that they said that, um, was it Ancient Apocalypse and like a bunch of his research that he's put out there and shit, there, people are saying that it's that it also is racist and white supremacy? I did hear he has been called a... A race, a white supremacist. It's so fucking like what, and he's also banned from a lot of these sites. He's not allowed to go to um, Serpent Mound in Ohio. He's not allowed, in some way, shape, or form, to go to uh, Egypt and the pyramids and shit anymore. Apparently, yeah, but that's pretty common because heaven forbid you. Uh, it's so fucking contradict stupid. their timeline. I mean, even I though their timeline is complete bullshit, I agree. But you know, it's it's whatever. I agree, but you know, future episode incoming on that one. Yeah, hopefully. So, well, before we get started, tell everybody what we're covering tonight. What, are you, tonight what did you choose? We're talking about David Berkowitz, who's oh, the son of Sam. Son of Sam. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, you didn't even know until I just two about five minutes ago. Yeah, 
This is a long outline. I hope you got into it because there are those people. I'm sure you're going to get into it that believe. Yes, but I leave. Th- I don't have that noted out. Oh, the, that's that's the more I read into it, that's more of just kind of a conversation speed piece as far as I'm concerned. It was a satanic cult. Yeah, and there was more than one killer because there was interesting uh, uh, sidebars, if you will, to that that I didn't know until I fully researched this mm-hmm. topic. That we will talk about, but they're okay. not actually annotated. They are off the cuff. Well, you know, I'm always down when the guy <laughs> says a demon dog is talking to him. You've piqued my yeah. attention. Yeah. So we're going to get into this while we're joint. We have some new guests. Oh, we do? As always, we have Snoop Dogg and Bigfoot. We've got a chicken that shits candy. Uh, a Charmander that I made myself. Oh, and, nice. And... Uh, the Tekanina himself. Right. So if you do not listen to Spotify or watch on YouTube, YouTube, you are not seeing this. So if you're listening to this on something other than Spotify or listen, watch it on YouTube, be sure to, what the hell am I saying? What? If watch not, the fucking yeah. videos. But also, let's be real here. You're not really missing that much. You're missing a lot. I would say that my favorite part is the Charmander that I made myself. Yes. With those little, you know, those bead things that you put on, like, the pegboard and then you melt it with the iron? Yes. It was that type of deal. But I personally, since I am such a good-looking son of a bitch, you should need to go to YouTube and follow us or subscribe also, yes. and watch us live. Because I am a clusterfuck. I could snooze those off at any moment during this podcast. You could literally have a stroke at any no, time. I'm not going to have a stroke. I, you might hear me start going. Oh, yeah, that's right. The blood thinners. Yes. So I'm good, but I could pass out or go to sleep at any time. So if I go to sleep during this podcast, do not worry in the chat. I don't want this. He's probably not dead. We'll find out. He's just sleeping. Is there any other house cleaning? I think that's all. You ordered one fucking knee pad for work. One knee pad for work. Thought I was getting two, but that's okay. I'll make do. Yeah. Those Amazon descriptions are really fuck you. Well, I, it was, I ordered it after getting off work, uh, Friday morning. Oh, so so I just hit, tie it real, tie. hit it real quick and then went to bed. Yeah, you did. Yeah. That makes no me think sexual of sexual innuendo. There. I don't know. It just made me think Lamont that comes in here every once in a while, my close and dear friend. I sent him the link and then he sent me back this. Uh, it was like, nobody, let's not forget this menace. And it was a clip from fucking Boondocks, which I know you don't like animated stuff. No, I do not. But I have all of the Boondocks and I'm going to make you watch them because that show is fucking hilarious. It was this episode, it was from an episode where this dude comes in and he's like talking and he's like, oh, hello, can I, he's like, uh, what are you here for today? He's like, I think I know what you're here for. And he was like, I'm here for booty. And he was like, booty. He was like, you're here for, to meet with a young boy. He was like, no, I'm here for man booty. (laughs) And he was like, he was like, man booty. Is that why you were speaking with a 13 year old boy? And he was like, no, I know who you are, Chris Hansen, but I call you Chris Hansen. (laughs) And he was like, I like you and I want you and I'm going to have you whether you like it or not. (laughs) And then he just jumps on me. He's like, I'm a warrior. (laughs) You ever wonder speaking of that, what's that Hansen from? from, Chris Hansen. Yeah. From uh, to catch a predator. Yeah. You think they ever made a mistake and got the wrong guy once any time? What the fuck are you talking about? I just love the oh, how, like. Sorry, it, our bad. It's the single most uncomfortable thing on all of TV, rightfully so. <laughs> shit, but like, the, did you see the one guy that just sat there and ate pizza and just acted like he didn't do anything wrong? 
No, I've never actually watched other than maybe a clip here or there. Oh, that's all. I, I've never actually like watched the TV show, but I've watched the shit out of the clips. I got stuck on those for a while. I would watch those at, while I ate lunch at work. Currently, it's 60 Days In clips. I don't know if you ever watched 60 no. Days In. Dude, that's actually a pretty cool show. They take people. Some of them are like ex-convicts. Some of them are cop, former cops or uh, corrections officers or fucking one like skinny blonde chick was just like a fucking uh um like a far right republican and they put them in county jail for 60 days oh okay i think and like, heard, yeah, yeah they meet up with the 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 sheriff and they're like this is what we want you to do we want you to find the drugs and we want you to eliminate the drugs and then and next thing you know like they're sitting there like they become pod bosses while they're in there. Like, they just straight up become fucking convicts. One dude was a security guard and just got fucking knocked in the face like three times by this crazy dude that said the TV said he was a child molester. And everybody was like, he's in here for fucking embezzlement, man. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. One guy was like a chaplain, but was a former like Latin king and did like 10 years. And he like... He went straight prison. Like, as soon as he got in there, like, the second day, he had him, like, sh he shaved his head bald again. Like, riding like, a bike. Dude, he was, like, he was running the Chicanos and the pod and shit. Like, he snatched up this one kid, like, for, like, he was, like, shut the fuck up. And he, like, grabbed him and threw him and then just smacked the shit out of him. And I was, like, so you're telling me that this is all on camera and this person, like, are we not, do they not get out and then go, you did a lot of good for the county, but also you're being charged with assault. <laughs> fuck. You would think. Like, you would think it, it it's outrageous. They legit like these people straight up turn into convicts for after like the first ten days. Well, you got it. You know, if you're gonna go to go behind bars, you gotta get mentally prepared. Dude, there's one guy. He was like a former corrections officer or something like that. And like him, like the two guys that were in the fucking pod with him or or bunk mates, whatever. One guy on the floor, one on each bunk, and like one of them wasn't taking a shower. And the guy was like, what? He was like, I'm a grown ass man. He was like, wash your grown ass. And it was like, they start going. And he said something. He's like, you won't do something, do it. And he like, this cat just fucking swung on him. And they start going at it. And he goes from sitting on the little table to just like up on the top bunk. And he just sits there and watches. He was like, I'm down for a straight up one-on-one -on -one fight. And then after a minute, he's like, all right, that's enough. That's enough. <laughs> According to, uh, before we get started, one more thing to catch a predator. Lamont says it got canceled because he caught a prosecutor mm -hmm. and uh, he offed himself. Is that correct? Uh, I don't know the exact details, but something along those lines, yeah. Well, as long as they were accurately accusing him, who gives a fuck? Why cancel it? Right? I agree. Good good riddance. Well, they tried to cover it up, too. Uh, well, <laughs> why cover shit up? The cover-up always makes it worse. I mean, yeah, that's tradition, as is tradition. I mean, you can either just... Admit it or Bill Clinton. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. I did smoke marijuana, but I did not inhale. I mean, those are your two options. Don't try to cover it up. And I call bullshit on him not inhaling that weed. You're telling me you didn't do drugs and you still ended up married to Hillary Rodham? Are you shitting me? That fucking bulldog of a woman? I. He was on something. He looks like shit, too. Well, all presidents look like shit when they leave. Barack Obama, yeah, Barack Obama still looks alright, but like he definitely aged in that amount of time. Oh, he looked went in a spry forty something year old young man. Came out looking like fucking a crypt keeper. Well, and I will say I was never like the only one that didn't aged by like thirty years while what, it, Trump. 
It was Trump. That's because he was already half dead. Yeah, but he still looks the same. And I'm not completely convinced that Biden's not a skeleton at this point. I think that skin is sewed in the back to keep his skull from showing. Smoking Joe. He looks like a skeleton. He's crazy is what he is. Of course, is. he was old as dirt when he went in there. Yeah. But and his forget. son's a fucking crackhead that buys hookers on the reg. Well, yeah. So, you know, <laughs> at least you Hunter sounds like a guy you could party with, though, at least. Yeah. I'd party with Obama. Oh, he wasn't my favorite president of all time. But, like, I will say he was the most eloquent president we may oh. have ever had. I can't disagree with that. He was a great talker. He could talk some bullshit like some, like a motherfucker. I do remember that one lady that was like all over fucking like pro Obama uh -huh. and then like talking about the free cell phones and shit and then like his second term she was completely Republican the next time they interviewed her when wherever I think it was somewhere in Ohio and she was like he's ruining everything and I was like god damn way to flip the fucking coin lady hey. way to be yeah, killer if you're gonna flip flop flip flop yeah flip. don't don't half ass don't it. Don't sit the fence. Pick one side or the other. Yeah. So I think that's all I got. I mean, I don't think I have anything else. So I think we can get into the Son of Sam now. I don't think there was any interesting anecdotes that have happened. Um, No, not really. Um, I'll get... I think that's about a it. New chair next weekend. You did, a, you did get a new chair. We now have the same chair in different colors. Yes. And we didn't do it on purpose either. It just worked out that way. <laughs> Literally, you came rolling down the sidewalk in Beverly Hills here where we're located, as everybody knows, with the same fucking chair I have. And I was like, you copycat piece of shit. I am. I'm a fucking piece of shit. All right. All right. Should we get, get back to into this? Words. All right. David Berkowitz. Let's try that again. Fuck me in the mouth. All right. Sounds like somebody just did. Pretty much. All right. Strokey. Oh, you're wearing your stroke pants and everything. I am. I, I want people to be able to see. Me. Oh, I don't want to. I was going to show everybody, but then they would see my business. Well, for anybody who doesn't know, Phil bought some uh, some Ooh, like construction that. yellow that shorts. That shows up really well. After he got out of the hospital because of his stroke, so that if he just goes a little off the the off the rails and just wanders off, we can find him a little In easier. The dark, I glow. He's, he's now a high vis patient, yes. if you will. I want to get the shirt to match. They sell want, them at Walmart. Do they? Yeah. I know they uh, sell, like, the orange fluorescent ones. Yeah, if you go over there by, like, the Dickies and shit like that, yeah. like, all the workwear, yeah, they have them. You can get a vest, too. Next or week. a hoodie. Ooh, next week, the hoodie. Oh, you can get shoes in that color, too. We just do a whole fuck. Well, there's no way we're losing. You're going to look like you're gonna look like Mr. Burns when he got caught up in that nuclear accident in The Simpsons and everybody thought he was an alien. Or glow in the dark. Anyway, so... <laughs> David Berkowitz was born Richard David Falco on June 1st, 1953 in Brooklyn, New York. David's mother, Betty, grew up in an impoverished Jewish family and was working as a waitress and was married to an Italian-American named Tony Falco in 1936. But Tony Falco led her, left her for another woman after being married for less than four years. I'm yeah. pretty sure that's, that's longer than the average now. I think so. Which is unfortunate. But anyway... A few days after he was born, David's biological mother, Elizabeth, quote, Betty Broder, gave David away. They got a very lenient return policy. Yeah. Now, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Now, um, Betty had started a relationship with a married man named Joseph Kleinman three years prior to that. 
Joseph was the biological father of Richard, but threatened to abandon Betty and their unborn child and not support her or the child financially if she didn't put the baby up for adoption. So what did she do? She put the fucking baby up for adoption. There you go. Way to be, Mom. Now, David was adopted as an infant by a Jewish-American couple from the Bronx named Pearl and Nathan Berkowitz. Hence the name. These two did not win the lottery. No, they did not. <laughs> when it's all said and done. No, not at all. Now, Pearl and Nathan were hardware store retailers, earned a modest income, and were childless going into their middle-aged years. So... They wanted yeah. a child. Yeah, I was going to say, like, pretty pretty normal uh, adoption scenario, I would think. Now, the couple flipped his name when they adopted him and changed his name from Richard David Falco to David Richard Berkowitz. Creative. It does have a better ring, I will say. You would that. think that it would be like, like, you can't change a dog's name when you adopt a dog because they get confused, but you can do it to a fucking baby. Since when does a schnauzer take fucking precedence over a small Jewish child? I know some people where yeah. do dogs do take precedence over human beings. Fair enough. Um, now, on top of all that, Pearl and Nathan told David that his biological mother passed away during birth. Started off with a lie. <laughs> I like it. I mean, he was he was conceived in a lie, really, too. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. Now, neighbors and relatives recall that David Berkowitz was a, a difficult and spoiled child and that he was kind of a bully. Well, have you seen him? Most ugly people are bullies. He looks like John Favreau got stung by a bunch of bees. What's that comedian? Oh, I forget his name. He gained a bunch of weight. He's not a extremely... He's a popular, but not oh, friends with Dane Cook. He's friends with Dane Cook? Yeah, he kind of came up with Dane Cook uh, in that troupe. I don't know. I wasn't really that into He was recently on Rogan not too, like a year or two ago, or a year ago or so, last year, I think. It's Rogan. That's a thousand episodes ago. But, uh, he's bald, the like the thumbnail. Oh, um, fuck. The guy from like Boston or New York? Yes. Or whatever. Fuck. I know who you're talking about. But that other picture of that you put on the thumbnail of yeah. the bald? Of him today. That is what he looks like. Just... Well, because people forget he's still alive. Yeah. I, I really... And apparently he's like a model prisoner. Yeah, leads like fucking religious classes and shit like that. Like huh. Bible study type shit. Well, yeah. If you got nothing better to do. I, guess. I mean, yeah, he's got nothing but time to kill at this point. You're just buying your time. Yeah. So some of this asshole behavior that he started to uh, display in his younger years started to appear after he suffered some head trauma, gotcha. which is pretty uh, run of the mill for a right. lot of uh, future serial killers or comedians. Also, yes, one of these was from being hit by a car when he was like seven, I think, and once from another kid dropping a rock on his head from on top of a building. I'd say this son of a bitch is lucky to be alive. Dude, like what kind of wily Coyote Three Stooges shit did this kid fucking grow up with? Who oh, knew wow. that Jewish, uh, the Jewish Bronx was like, I don't even know how to explain that. It's like a fucking, it's like... It, it, it's literally like he's he's small Jewish chubby wily coyote. Yeah. And I I stand by he literally looks like John Favreau with an allergy attack. <laughs> well, not really. John's 
kind of I I can call him John. <laughs> Ballooned up pretty good. Has he? Oh yeah, back when he was younger, he was a little jacked. John Favreau was a little. Back jacked. when he was uh, Danny, what's his name from the replacements? Oh God, we're gonna get you the ball. That time frame and before that, a little bit before that, he was in what PCU where he was fairly, fairly jacked, fairly built guy. Fair now, enough. He just built. Started working in mid, his midsection like the rest of us. Yeah. I've done abs once since I started working out. And I hurt like a bitch. It felt like I got fucking Danny LaRusso'd in the stomach like 13 times. But anyway, I digress. So his parents consulted at least one psychotherapist about his misbehavior, but nothing he did ever resulted in legal action or serious action having to be taken by his schools. So... They didn't really do shit. Their hands were tied at that point. Yeah, because, you know, can't do anything. Sorry. Sorry, ma'am. He also formed a fascination with petty larceny and starting fires at a young age. Yet another part of or aspect that rears What's its that? head the often. Law or whatever. The McDonald triad, right, which has kind of been Disproven. proven right. to be bullshit. But it makes for a great story. We like it. Well, there's also like, what? Especially, I don't know how how small girls are, but what young boy doesn't like to set shit on fire sometimes? You know what shit I've set on fire in my life? I still like to set shit on fire. I just am old enough not to. Although I will say, I work in a restaurant. I do definitely, like, we got a char grill, and I'll definitely, like, give a little pop on a burger and fire when it just... <laughs> It's really fun when you got new people back there that have never cooked before, and you're like, look at this four-foot flame. Now take your hand and put it over it. Nothing bad's going to happen. It's kind of a rite of passage. You just hope they burn nothing down. I, guess. I, you know, I don't think I... I mean, have... I'm bald right here pretty much all the time because of that. I, that's just because you're Asian. I have some body hair. Um, I, I don't think I ever had a pyrophase phase. My brother sure as fuck did. I don't set the couch on fire once. I don't think I ever played with played with matches. I don't believe so. Anyway, or maybe I did. I don't. I haven't even. It all started with, of it. It all started with the song "Fight Fire with Fire" by Metallica. That harpsichord intro, mm. still personal favorite Metallica song. Fight me. It's definitely not like fucking Inter Sandman. But anyway, I'm, I'm not. I'm not a hater of. The Black Album. I don't. I'm not either. Like everybody's like, it's a goddamn abomination. It's really not. It's just not. No, it's every, just a change up. Everything after that has been. Yeah, like up. fuel and refuel were fucking gar dumpster fires. Yes. They just put out a new one, or they're about to put out a new one, which apparently I guess is good. I don't know. In some way, I will not be getting it because I don't care anymore. Because we because it's 2023 and we have streaming services, you don't yes. have to get anything. Anymore. That is true. Yeah. Good point. Now. David was always closer to his adoptive mother and was kind of a mama's boy. Shocker. Not surprising. Well, Pearl had, his adopted mother, Pearl, had breast cancer before he was adopted, which he never knew about, which, why, at that young of an age, why would you tell the kid that? Like, hey, just so you know, yeah. before you were adopted, I had fucking breast cancer. Right. And we're talking this time, that shit's a death sentence. You know, it's yeah. death, it could be a death sentence now, but back well, then, shit. Well, she had effectively, like, I guess, gone into remission from this cancer, but... By the power of Jesus? 
help me, Jewish God. Oh, that's right. They're Jewish. My bad. Yeah. I just insulted a whole group. From the power of matzo ball soup. <laughs> yes. That shit's fire. I don't think I've ever had it. It's pretty good. The soup itself. The matzo ball is like, all right. Oh. It's just like a big bread ball that's like not cooked. But it is technically. I don't know. Sounds good. Now, she had breast cancer before he was adopted, which he never knew, as I already said. But she would later fall ill with breast cancer again in 1965. Hmm. So Pearl's got bad luck. Yes. Now, David was left in the dark for the most part on, and was basically just told that his mother had breast cancer, and that was, like, it. That was they it. didn't tell him shit else. Like, nothing about, like, doctor's appointments, how things were going, none of that shit. Your mom's got cancer. End of story. Fucking deal with it. Yeah, that's pretty much how it went. Um, and then in 1967, Pearl finally succumbed to her second round of breast cancer and passed away when David was 14 years old. That's rough. Yeah. After Pearl's is death, it, is it wrong to have a, have feel a little sympathy for a serial killer? No, I I even put that in the description. Like there are moments in this story, uh, just like a lot of true crime stories, where like there is at one point there's some human aspect to all of this shit. Well, it it goes back to the thing. Oh, we can sidebar here a little bit. Nature versus nurture. Yeah, you know, are serial killers. Born or bred? Mm. You know, I think I've often said it was a combination of both. But and some people are just born bad. Like, I, I right. legitimately believe that. But they're still human at some point in their youth, you mm -hmm. know? And I think in this kind of situation, you no, know, at 14, losing your mother, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, like, no, no bueno is going to come I can from that. see that sending somebody down a dark path. I, I mean, I I kind of, I can see how it can happen. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, I agree. Where was I? Okay. So after Pearl's death, David lived with his father while attending Christopher Columbus High School, piece of shit, and college from 1967 to 1971. During this time, his home life was strained because he disliked his adoptive father's second wife, whom his father married in 1971. Daddy had to get we had to get it in. No, what was what movie was that? No Ladge Between the Vag. Yes. Just move on. Inaccurate, but it was a funny part of the movie. Now, there's our baby squirrels. I've officially figured it out. They're babies. Aw. Yeah, so they can live, I guess. Now, David's adopted father and his new wife moved to Florida that same year, leaving David alone in the Bronx. No shit. What which, well, which by this time... This one kind of adds to the whole, I don't want to say adds to the whole story, but adds to the shitty situation he was left in. Because by this time, the Bronx was transitioning to being a majority Hispanic community. Where, so therefore he ended up getting made fun of a lot by the new people coming in. He would, mm -hmm. They would call him Jew boy. It was really original. Creative people. And mind you, all this is going on while David is still 17 years old. So, he's not getting a very good shake of it at this, no, up to this of, point. Kind of a run of bad luck. Yeah. Now, in 1971, again, the same year, again, still 17 years old, David joined the United States Army and served at Fort Knox and with an infantry division in South Korea. He somehow avoided having to serve any of his military career in combat during the Vietnam War. 
So there's one bit of luck he's had so far. Yes, but kind of a mish. What he would become kind of a... They could have used him. Maybe he was hanging out with George Bush. Wasn't George Bush in the Coast Guard? Something. Yeah, and like they tried to like report for duty like six months after the war ended or some shit like that. Like, what's up, guys? Well, wait. Where's the cocaine? Piece of shit. Anyway, he actually doesn't look too bad, surprisingly. Yeah, you know, because people like him now. It's, I think it's be, with, with people not liking you is what ages you. Now he's the everybody yeah. loves. Oh, yeah, considering how what of a shit show his presidency was. Not saying that it was entirely his fault, but yeah, like, he had a lot to deal with. He was. I almost feel sorry for him to what? How many? What ten months into his presidency? Presidency. Pres- we go to the. We end up in the longest for what would be the longest foreign engagement we've ever had. The as a country. worst attack on U.S. soil yeah. other than Pearl Harbor. Yeah, I mean, he. Did you see? Do you know? Uh, have you heard the whole conspiracy theory about that? About what? how a representative. Uh, We're talking nine eleven or yeah. Pearl Harbor. Bro. 9-11, how a representative um, said something to the press about how they could not, there was like $2.3 trillion in transactions and receipts that could not be tracked or located. And allegedly the accounting area or oh. company that was handling that was on the fucking first was on one of the story or right. one of the levels of the first tower I, or was was it the first or the third tower that fell second tower no the, the three towers came down that or it wasn't even the third one wasn't a tower it was a building the there, Pentagon? no no there was actually three buildings that went down either the, way it's one they thought is it, it wasn't tall like the rest of them but it was attached to world the plaza that was the one. Like a sawed-off tower? That is the one they say definitely got. Blown up? Or, what's it called? Demolitioned. Demolished? I, I, but I, I have heard that. Yeah, demolished. They, uh, I have heard that where the accounting firm that was handling that was in associated with that. Because that was when Rumsfeld, the. Oh, that fucking well, he, cockbag. He was on... He, I, it might were, have been Rumsfeld that announced that. They were doing congressional hearings on it. Yeah. At the time. It, it was the Pentagon lost $2 trillion. How the fuck do you lose $2 trillion? It's the government. That's a lot of... That's that's like Congress's fucking vacation fund on a yearly basis. Or... They just had a lot of black programs they... Had to account for all of a sudden. I was wondering where you're going when you said black, and I was like, "That's oh, what it's God. called." It has no, nothing. I know, to, I know, nothing to do with race. Like, They're called off the book black programs. Yeah, like CIA black sites. Yes. Yeah. They're not actually black. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. <laughs> well, that maybe I don't know. I've never seen one. It's, it's, yeah, it's just literally black. Like, <laughs> this is a black building. That's look at this site. building that is black. That is a CIA black site. That's why we call it that. Let's not fucking split hairs here. The CIA is not that fucking creative. It's just like when somebody's like, oh, yeah, I'm a black friend. Why do you have to be a black friend? It doesn't matter, but why leave it out? I I can't argue that. I I agree. Now, while he was in the military, David Berkowitz excelled in marksmanship. Like, to the point that he, like, 
basically either passed or like hit the line of passing as a sharpshooter. Which would come in handy. Yeah. Which is is not an easy task. No. So, during this time, David started exploring alternative religious beliefs and views from those from those stemming from his uh, Jewish upbringing. So he was branching out a little bit. He would come to be known as someone with like a, a kind of hippie vibe with people that knew him. Like he, uh, bit, like he was really uh, laid back, very everybody love everybody type shit. Um, but these beliefs and beliefs and views would become a bit skewed and take kind of a turn. And that might be because he started experiment experimenting pretty heavily with drugs, mainly weed and acid. Now the weed part don't really care about, honestly, don't really care about the acid part either until we start talking about somebody like this who is already probably a little off it might be enough to give that little nudge yeah i'm sure it definitely didn't help yeah depending on how you're looking at it i'm sure if the way he was looking at it at the time he was like this is awesome and everybody around like his little fucking angel on his shoulder was like this is a fucking terrible idea because apparently he did a lot of acid which explains his story which you will get into i'm sure yeah we're working our way towards it. His rationalization for his actions. Yeah. Now, David was honorably discharged in June of 1974 and got a job in security back in the Bronx and assumed his former life of just being, like, keeping to himself and being kind of a loner. Shortly after that, he found that out that his birth mother, Betty, was still alive, and he tracked her down, which sounds kind of aggressive. He didn't go kill his birth mom or anything. Okay. Now, after that, <coughs> excuse me, he had this grandiose idea of who his birth mother was he for some reason. Basically dreamed of what she would be. Yeah, and, like okay. thinking that she was just going to be like this beautiful, amazing, like affluent person. But when he found her, she was just a normal ass lady. And she, you know, disclosed to him the actual details of his birth and why he was put up for adoption and all that shit. Um telling him that she was his mom but she based she just straight gave him up because he was the product of an affair um so when he found that out obviously this was quite disturbing to young david berkowitz and he also started to become particularly bothered by the trend of reluctant father figures in his life always blame the fathers yes now later on in this whole shindig a forensic anthropologist named elliot layton described david's discovery of his birth the details of his birth as the quote primary crisis in his life being a revelation that sh revelation that shattered his sense of identity hmm. i can wrap my head around that yeah um excuse me sorry now, he ceased communication with his birth mother, but he did remain in communication with his half-sister, Rosalind. Didn't really find out a whole bunch about her. I'm sure she's not bragging about who her half-brother is. <laughs> yeah, you would think. She'd be like, motherfucker, my half-brother's David Berkowitz. And either they'd be like, what a piece of shit. Or at this point, people would go, who? Yeah. You mean the guy that made the weird drawing? Which, again, I told this to Phil. I want some goddamn respect on my name. 
because that shitty version of the Son of Sam symbol that's on the thumbnail, I had to like kind of just make that out of shapes on the... Good job, Travis. Excuse me, on the program that I used to make thumbnails because I could not find one within Creative Commons. Stingy bastards. You gatekeeping sons of bitches. Anyway. Now, that's this is around the time where David Berkowitz would start to ramp up some of the behavior that is traditionally connected to serial killers. Specifically, the almost 1,500 arsons around New York City, which he kept track of in detail in a type of diary in which he would refer to himself as the Phantom of the Bronx. So he was started off being an arsonist. Yes. I did not know this. And I'm he's, learning. And he's also a beast at branding. <laughs> he is. I will give him credit. Like, I want to send David Berkowitz a fucking letter in prison and be like, hey, give us a new podcast name. He'd <laughs> come back and we'd be like, that's literally the sickest thing ever. We're we just can't it. tell anybody who gave us the idea. So it wasn't long before his pattern of arson took a more violent turn. When on the night of Christmas Eve 1975, he used a hunting knife to stab two women in Co-op City, which is a... Uh, like a, a apartment complex type deal in uh, in the Bronx. <coughs> Excuse me. The first alleged victim was a Hispanic woman who was never identified by police. The second was 15-year-old Michelle Foreman, a sophomore at Truman High School, whom he stabbed six times on a bridge near Dreiser Loop and whose injuries were serious enough to for her to be hospitalized for a week. Hmm. David Berkowitz was not suspected of the crime and later moved into an apartment in Yonkers. This is where David met his neighbor, Sam Carr, who had a black lab named Harvey. Hmm. According to Berkowitz, Harvey was possessed by an ancient demon and the son of the demon told David to start killing people. Here we go. We're off. Yeah. Let the roller coaster begin. Fuck yeah. Now, his mental instability could be seen within his apartment, which had blankets covering the windows and things written on the walls such as, quote, In this hole lives the wicked king. And also, quote, I turn children into killers. I'm just going to say, in this hole lives the wicked king is kind of sick. It is. Like, if, that, that, if that's not a lyric in a fucking, like, deathcore song... It Do better. Be. It should be. Yeah. That shit is fire. Like, that fuck is. this dude, but, like, that's Who a cool knew? line. Son of Sam, Sam had bars. Yeah, fuck this dude. Bars. <laughs> fuck this dude, but that's a fucking pretty cool line. I'll admit that. So, around this time, David went to Texas to visit a friend from the Army who, because David didn't have a driver's license, he bought him a forty-four caliber revolver that would pretty much set this whole thing into uh, in, in motion. Now, to be just to clarify, this was a 44 caliber bulldog revolver. So, the, the smaller revolver, very large round. Right. Which apparently it was made for uh, like hostage situations in cramped spaces, like possible uh, hijackings of airplanes or like buses and shit. Really? Yeah. But a 44 cal with a, basically a snub nose type. Yeah. Something. It's going to have a hell of a kick. Yeah. Damn. So, where was I? There, there was, there was I. Got it. 
Upon Upon returning to New York, David left his job and started driving a taxi so that he could learn the streets of New York better. Hey, I applaud the effort. Take time in your craft. All it made me think of when I was typing out this part of my notes was the fucking intro to Sopranos. Woke up this morning, got yourself a gun. Which then led me down the mental uh, lane of the TikTok sound. Where everybody took that and it was woke up this morning, got some gobble <laughs> Was that your tummy or was that my tummy? It might have been mine. Okay. I don't know. Now, David's first murder would take place at 1.10 a.m. on July 29th, 1976. This is when 18-year-old Donna Loria and her friend 19-year-old Jody Valenti were sitting in Valenti's Oldsmobile taking a, talking about their night at Peach Trees, a new Rochelle Dix... Dixotech, discotech. Say that three times real fast. Right. When Loria opened the car door to leave and noticed a man quickly approaching. She was startled and pissed, obviously, because this random dude's just running up on her, getting out of this Oldsmobile. For one, everybody's pissed in New York. Everybody's got an attitude, especially in the 70s. Yeah, and you left a discotheque, which you thought was cool at the time, and now you're looking back on going, what the fuck was I doing in a discotheque? This wasn't Norway in 1970. Outside of the fashion, I can deal with disco. The rampant cocaine use? I'm down. Fair enough. So, again, she was startled and irritated by the man's sudden appearance and said, quote, now what is this when she was cut off? Well, she she wasn't able to, I would assume she was saying, now what is this motherfucking bullshit? That's what I would have said. How was she cut off, though? Um... She was cut off because the man pulled a gun from a paper bag, crouched with an elbow on his knee, and fired the gun with both hands. Maybe she should have kept her mouth shut. I don't think it would have done any good in this situation. Now, Laria was struck by one bullet that killed her instantly, and Valenti was shot in her thigh, and a third shot missed both women before he turned and walked away. When Jody Valenti was later questioned by police, she said she didn't recognize the man that shot her and killed her friend. Big city. Pretty fucking possible. I right. Say. Dark. Plus, yeah. you got sh- people are notoriously horrible eyewitnesses because mm-hmm. our brain, especially under traumatic situations, I wouldn't expect her to be able to even picture the face of the person who shot her. Yeah. I mean, we're dealing with an 18 and a 19 year old kid. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But now, she can tell you how many TikToks she watched that day. Oh, I'm sorry. Wrong time. A TikTok. Whatever was equivalent, equivalent to yeah. that time. Now, she did describe the man that attacked them as a white male in his 30s with a fair complexion, about 5 feet 8 inches tall and weighing about 200 pounds. And she said his hair was short, dark, and curly in a, quote, mod style. Is that like a bowl haircut style? I don't know. Continuing with air quotes, I have no fucking what clue. What is a mod style? I don't I would know. assume it's like what in the thumbnail, his younger shot. You would think. I would think. That like. Which I would call a white afro. It's like kind of like, um, what was his name? Fuck it. Kind of like Gallagher with a perm. Yes. Yeah. 
you got a 50-50 chance that anybody fucking knowing who Gallagher is. is. Now, the description was corroborated by neighbors and her father, who also claimed to have seen a similar-looking man sitting in a yellow par- car parked nearby. Some neighbors also reported to the police that an unfamiliar yellow car had been cruising the area for hours before this shooting actually happened. Now, in just a little uh, post-shadowing, if you will, in 1993, Berkowitz admitted in an interview with uh, journalist Maury Terry that he had shot Loria and Jody. So, this they didn't catch him, clearly. Obviously. Now, on October 23rd, 1976, in Flushing, Queens, which, interesting uh, side note, my dad was born in Queens. Hmm. Yeah, I never knew that until I think I think he... I don't know if I knew that before uh, until he passed away. I just thought it was interesting. I was like, why the fuck were you born in Queens? Like, my family lives like three and a half hours from New York City in New York because everybody forgets that New York's a big ass state. It is very large. Yeah, it's beautiful. You should. We should go sometime. I've, I lived there for four years. I'm not going back. Oh, yeah. Fuck Syracuse. Oh, I've yeah. Been, no, you got to get away from this. I've been to New York City. You got to get away from the city up in upstate New York. I, I can imagine. Yeah, but, once you get in the hills, it's fucking gorgeous. But I ain't going in the wintertime. Oh, hell no. Now, again, 1970, October 23rd, 1976, Flushing, Queens. <sighs> Carl DeNaro and Rosemary Keenan were sitting in Keenan's car when the windows shattered. Yes. DeNaro later said, quote, I felt the car exploded. Exploded. I'm not going to be stereotypical, but I really wanted to read that in an accent, but I won't. Don't be I that guy, Travis. Don't be that guy. Where's Gonzo? Where's our fucking, our friendly neighborhood Puerto Rican? Well, we're off schedule, so he, he has no idea when we're. Piece of shit. Now, Keenan started the car and sped away, and the couple caught up in their, while caught up in their panic, didn't realize they had been shot at, even though Denaro was bleeding from a bullet wound to his head. <laughs> I don't know how much more uh, evidence you I need. I mean, spur of the moment, I get it, you know what I mean? But I feel like you would shortly figure that out. I would, I've never been shot. Like and share the video. But I would think there'd be a certain amount of pain with becoming or well, apparently, a like, bullet strikes your skull apparently, or head someplace. Upon impact and shit like that, like a lot of people have said that like it just feels like it burns. Burn, yeah, more of a burning sensation. You know, but I mean, I don't know. Never been shot. Don't really plan on it. Um, now, Rosemary only had superficial injuries from the broken glass, but Carl DeNaro would eventually need a metal plate to replace a portion of his skull. Because of that, it? Yeah. Didn't get cable on that thing, Ed. Now the police determined that the bullets embedded in Keenan's car were forty-four caliber, but they were so deformed that they thought it was unlikely that they could ever be linked to a particular weapon. And also, what the fuck kind of auto glass was he shooting through that he that you got hit in the head with a forty-four, and you're not dead. Hey, this is the seventies. They made cars cars solid. Yeah, what is even the, the glass was thick. Okay, so what do you got? A fucking Buick in the back windshields made of fucking unobtainium? Yes. Back then those cars were made so solid you could run to a freaking tree and drive away. Hey, they almost got De Niro. Yeah. In casino. It sets his ass on fire. I mean, they were so sturdy you didn't even need seat belts or airbags. I said, Oh Lord, it's on fire. I said, oh, no, uh-uh, not today, Jesus. 
No. Ain't nobody got time for that. Now they make the shit out of plastic, basically. Yeah. Now, police speculated that because Carl had shoulder-length hair, the shooter may have mistaken him for a woman. Now, also, Rosemary Keenan's father was a 20-year veteran of the NYPD. Oh, that's bad luck. Which led to an intense investigation. Of course. But with no tangible motive added to the fact that the shootings occurred in different boroughs and were being investigated by different precincts, nothing really came of the situation at that time. Because as we all know, one, there was like a couple thousand murders a year yeah, in New York City in the 70s. New two, York was not a good place in the 70s. Yeah. Two, the different precincts and boroughs of New York were not particularly well known for communication and working together. Much like the LAPD, which we've covered before. Oh, they work well together. They cover oh, yeah. some shit up very well. Yeah, they do. They're fucking phenomenal. Now, next, shortly after midnight on November 27th, 1976, high school students Donna Damasi and Joanne Lomino were walking home from seeing a movie. When they arrived at Joanne's house, they were talking on the front porch when a man dressed in military fatigues approached them to ask them for directions. Obviously, given what we're talking about, this man was David Berkowitz, who in a high-pitched voice said, Can you tell me how to get... And that's when he pulled his gun. So he Mike Tysoned him. Can you tell me how to get... Wow, motherfucker. <laughs> why? Like, why even... At that point, why disguise your voice? Do you think it's just to, like... Do you think it's for to try to make them feel more comfortable so they don't, like, automatically, like, fucking freak out? I don't know, but I would think he'd be more confident that he's going to accomplish his mission and kill them so they wouldn't matter. I would think that uh, that would put me, I feel like that would put me more on edge. If a grown man, if a 200-pound man walked up to me and was like, hello, can you, do you know where the subway is? I'd be like, whoa, hold on. You're on all the fucking PCP right now. Don't lie to me. Like, what do you want? You want my money? You, you, you what? I would not be fucking, I would not be uh, calmed by that particular scenario. That would weird me the fuck out. I'd probably be busy laughing. Unless it was Michael Jackson. And wouldn't see the gun and get killed. Also, yes. Fair point. Maybe it was just a distraction technique. It could be. Uh, maybe. I think maybe I might, he was, maybe, I, go ahead. I stumbled onto something here. Maybe he was going like, like he, he should have just crusty the clown it. Just walked up and like, <laughs> and then just fucking. Bow. Who would have? Nobody would ever see that coming. Not a fucking single human being alive, except me, because I don't like clowns. Yeah, fuck clowns. They're weird. Yes. Now, he shot each of the girls once and fired several more times as they fell to the ground, striking the apartment building before running away. A neighbor heard the gunshots, rushed out of their apartment building, and saw a blonde man run past, gripping a pistol in his left hand. Now, Donna DeMassi had been shot in the neck, but the wound wasn't life-threatening. He's not a very good shot. You would think he'd be better. With a forty-four. I mean, you would think that just center mass, bitch. Yeah. Tear some like, shit up. Yeah, it's going to blow a hole out the backside the size of a fucking softball. You would think. But um, Joanne Lomino was hit in the back and hospitalized in serious condition and would ultimately be rendered paraplegic from these injuries. He might be the worst serial killer of all time. He's just right? a serial injurer. 
God damn it. Now, on the night of January 30th, 1977, just before 1 a.m., Christine Friund, 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 sorry, it's kind of a hard name to say, F-R-E-U-N-D, Friund, Friund, and her fiancé, John Deal, were sitting in John's car near the Forest Hill LIRR station, which is the Long Island Railroad, in Queens, and were about to drive to a dance hall after seeing Rocky. That's a busy fucking evening. I will give them one question. Or one question. I will give them one thing. The city of New York. It must be nice to be able to go see a movie and then at 1 a.m. still have plans. Well, when you get old like me, that plan is to go to bed. I mean, yeah, like I'm not really that into the super late nights all the time, but every once in a while. Well, I like the nightlife. And it was Rocky. Oh, shut the fuck up. Okay. She could have done the David Berkowitz impression by finishing those lyrics. Piece of shit. I am. Out of the darkness, three gunshots penetrated the car, and in a panic, John drove away. Good call, John. Now, what were these youngsters doing in the car? Uh, They were getting ready to leave to go to a dance hall. Sure they were. That's what they told they were really hey man, getting freaky. There's nothing you want to do after watching the original Rocky in a theater. Except hit it. That is, I, it's, it's, and it's New York City in 1977, so I'm assuming that this theater had like burlap seats and the floors were just like as if somebody had melted an entire vat of Haribo fucking gummy bears and dumped it on the floor and then sprinkled it with shitty stale popcorn. I mean, nothing says to me wanting to get busy in the backseat of a car like Rocky. I mean, Adrian? <laughs> Hot as fuck, right? Oh, yeah, especially in that first one with those oh, glasses God. and all the turtles. Yes. And Vinny, that Instant boner killer. No offense. And Sly Stallone's impossible to understand monologues and dialogues from that movie. You just understood names. You just all you could understand in that movie when he spoke was Adrian, Mick, Paulie, and Hey Yo, and Apollo. That was it. And it didn't get better as the series went on. But I digress. We've talked enough shit about Sylvester Stallone, I guess. Now. John had sustained minor energy energies <laughs> injuries in this attack, but Christine was shot twice and died several hours later in the hospital. Neither of them saw the attacker, obviously. Because they were busy getting busy. Now, this was around the time when police connected the dots and the similarities between the attacks, including the consistent use of a forty four caliber weapon and began to lean towards a connection between all these cases. Good job, Sherlock, figuring that one out. Well, I would imagine in New York City, it would probably take a good hand, at least three or four of these situations before you're like, maybe these four out of the 1,300 that we've had in the last six months are connected. All right, fine. I'll cut them some slack. Now, because the composite sketch from the Loria Valenti case had black hair, and the Lamino Damasi suspect had blonde hair. The police were looking for mul- multiple suspects. Which plays point. into the, the conspiracy theories. theories yes. yes. 
now move forward to March 8, 1977, around 7.30 p.m. Columbia University student Virginia Voskarichian. Sure. That's a hell of a name. Was walking home from school when she was confronted by a man carrying a gun. He's not very creative. No. Now, in an act of panic and desperation, she lifted her textbook up to her face to try to protect herself, but a single forty-four caliber bullet went straight through the book, struck her in the head, and basically instantly killed her. She should have been held up the Holy Bible. I don't know, but that one's kind of, like, just that part, aspect of that one makes it more sad to me. Yeah. She she took the time. She was... Con- like, she was just, like, all conscious it was enough or not, She was... What's the word I'm looking for? Whatever. She was... She knew it was coming because mm-hmm. she took the time to raise it up to her face. So that terror in that fucking split second had yeah. to have been. For a fucking young girl in college. Right. right. Now, interesting fact here. Virginia Voskarichian lived about a block away from where Christine Frind had been shot. Yes. Mm. Yes. Now, in March 10. Wow. Fuck that one up. In a March 10th, 1977 press conference, NYPD officials and Mayor Abraham Beam announced that the same 44 Bulldog revolver had fired the shots that killed Loria and Voskarichian. However, official documents revealed that while police strongly suspected this to be true, the evidence was actually inconclusive. Hmm. So they were just kind of throwing darts at this point. They were throwing shit in the wall if it stuck. They weren't wrong, but... Their ducks weren't lined up quite right at the time. Not that it fucking matters. Now, at around 3 a.m. on April 17th, 1977, Alexander Isau and Valentina Suriani. There's a lot of fucking... Jesus, could you not... Yeah. Why couldn't he kill a Smith or a Jones? (laughs) Jesus. Um, You're killing me, Berkowitz. So, these two were sitting in a car belonging to Esau's brother in the Bronx about a block from Valentina's home and only a few blocks from the scene of the Loria Valentina shooting. A nearby resident heard four shots and called the police. Suriani was sitting in the driver's seat and was shot once in the head, and in the passenger seat shot twice in the head was Alexander. Valentina died at the scene, and Alexander died in the hospital several, several hours later without being able to describe their attacker. Yeah, fair. They were shot in the head. Now, police said that the weapon used for the attack was the same as the one which they had suspected in the earlier shootings. And later on, again in 1993, David Berkowitz would confirm that he was the shooter. He owed up to it. Yeah. Now, the police discovered a handwritten letter near the bodies of Esau and Suriani. This was the first time David Berkowitz would identify himself as Son of Sam. Sweet. Which would quickly replace the name the 44 caliber killer given by the press which is lame as fuck not bad but not as good as son of sam right now the letter this is an interesting one i had to read this a couple times because it's not very well penned this is the letter that was found by the bodies i am deeply hurt by your calling me a woman hater i am not but i am a monster i am the son of sam i am a little brat When Father Sam gets drunk, he gets mean. He beats his family. Sometimes he ties me up to the back of the house. 
Other times he locks me in the garage. Sam loves to drink blood. Go out and kill, commands Father Sam. Behind our house some rest, mostly young, raped, and slaughtered. Their blood drained, just bones now. Papa Sam keeps me locked in the attic, too. I can't get out, but I look out in the attic, out the attic window and watch the world go by. I feel like an outsider. I am on a different wavelength than everybody else, programmed to kill. However, to stop me, you must kill me. Attention, all police. Shoot me first, shoot to kill or else. Keep out of my way or you will die. Papa Sam is old now. He needs some blood to preserve his youth. He has had too many heart attacks. Too many heart attacks. Ugh, me hoot. It hurts, sonny boy. I miss my pretty princess most of all. She's resting in Our Lady's house, but I'll see her soon. I am the monster, Beelzebub, the chubby behemoth. I love to hunt, prowling the streets looking for fair game, tasty meat. The women of Queens are the prettiest of all. Yeah, I must be the water they drink. I live it for the hunt, my life. Blood for Papa, Mr. Borelli, sir. I don't want to kill any more, no, sir. No more, but I must. Honor thy father. I want to make love to the world. I love people. I don't belong on earth. Return me to yahoos. To the people of Queens, I love you, and I wa want to wish all of you a happy Easter. May God bless you in this life and in the next, and for now I say goodbye and good night. Police, let me haunt you with these words. I'll be back. I'll be back. To be interrupted as, or to in, be interpreted as, bang, bang, bank, bang, ugh, yours in murder, Mr. Monster. That's oddly beautiful. Right? And fucked up all the same time. Parts of it? He's a bit of lyrical. A, he's a bit of a wordsmith. Or some of it? It's almost like two different people wrote that. Horrible spelling. Yes. <laughs> Oh, I just thought that was you. No. Oh, I, I literally, I, I copy-pasted this. No shit. Yeah. Obviously, he doesn't know how to spell woman. Yeah, or interpreted, or uh, I don't understand the bang, 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 bank, bang. Uh, pretty, prettyest. Prettyest. Yeah. I don't know. But parts of it are very eloquent. And then other parts sound like a two-year-old wrote it on in crayon yeah. you know there's another one coming up that is also kind of the same way um now people were reporting tips as to who the son of sam might be <laughs> but this was fucking this didn't had to do anything but muddy the fucking waters because they were people were reporting like their exes and people they owed money to and people they just didn't fucking like which happens a lot i would assume especially um, add in the new york city who water. did it my mom she grounded me last week yeah that bitch it was fucking Teresa down the street. She borrowed my cookie jar and then broke it. Fucking dickhead. Now, on May 30th, 1977, the Daily News columnist Jimmy Breslin received a handwritten letter from someone who claimed to be the 44 caliber killer. The letter was po postmarked from earlier that day in Inglewood, New Jersey, which, sidebar, very efficient post postal service, apparently, in this area, if it was postmarked from the same day. Now, on the reverse of the envelope, Ness... Oh, wait, what? Anyway. 
neatly hand-printed in four precisely centered lines were the words blood and family, darkness and death, absolute depravity, 44. Hmm. Like, that's pretty cryptic. Now, the letter, this is another straight-up copy-pasted reading. Hello from the gutters of NYC, which are filled with dog manure, vomit, stale wine, urine, and blood. Hello from the sewers of New NYC, which swallow up these del delicacies when they are washed away by the sweeper trucks. Hello from the cracks in the sidewalks of NYC, and from the ants that dwell in the in these cracks and feed in the dried blood of the dead, and that has or that has settled into the cracks. J.B. I'm just dropping you a line to let you know that I appreciate your interest in the recent and horrendous 44 killings. I also want to tell you that I read your uh, sorry I read your column daily and I find it quite altern informative. Tell me, Jim, what will you have for July 29th? You can forget about me if you like, because I don't care for publicity. However, you must not forget Donna Loria, and you cannot let the people forget her either. She was a very, very sweet girl, but Sam's a thirsty lad, and he won't let me stop killing until he gets his fill of blood. Mr. Breslin, sir, don't think that because you haven't heard from me for a while that I went to sleep. No, Rather, I'm still here, like a spirit roaming the night, thirsty, hungry, seldom stopping to rest, anxious to please Sam. I love my work. Now the void has been filled. Perhaps we shall meet face to face someday, or perhaps I will be blown away by the cops with smoking 38s. Whatever, if I shall be fortunate enough to meet you, I will tell you all about Sam, if you like, and I will introduce you to him. His name is Sam the Terrible. Not knowing what the future holds, I shall say farewell and I will see you on the, at the next job. Or should I say you will see my handiwork at the next job. Remember, Mrs. Lo Miss Loria, thank you. In their blood and, oh, excuse me, and from the gutter, Sam's creation, 44. Here are some names to help you along. Forward them to the inspector for use by NCIC, the Duke of Death, the Wicked King Wicker, the Twenty-Two Disciples of Hell, John Wheaties, Rapist and Suffocator of Young Girls. P.S. Please inform all the detectives working, in, on the, working the slaying to remain. P.S. J.B. Please inform all the detectives working the case that I wish them the best of luck. Keep them digging. Drive on. Think positive. Get off your butts. Knock on coffins, etc. Upon my capture, I promise to buy all the guys working the case a new pair of shoes if I can get up the money. Signed, Son of Sam. I don't know. It's, that almost sounds like two different people wrote that. Mm -hmm. It's not like I said, the first one, it sounded like two people, it read like two people wrote it. An eloquent man and an idiot. An idiot. Or this a child. One, right. This one, it could have been a Beatles song for the love of God. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting, actually. He's like he's like Paul McCartney and Frank Zappa had a love child. That's very interesting. Yeah. Right? I found the letters very uh, oddly 
Enter- like they're oddly poetic and entertaining. Yeah, which I I hate to say, but like, you know what I mean. But anyway, so under the Son of Sam was a sketch that combined several symbols, which is later became known like as the symbol for Son of Sam. Which there's a loose interpretation that I made myself on the thumbnail of this video. It's like an X across an S, and then the male and female signs. Is basically the breakdown of it. Now, the question, what will you have for July 29th, was considered an ominous threat as July 29th would be the anniversary of the Laurie Valenti shooting. Hmm. Yeah. Now, the Daily News published the letter a week later, which was the paper's highest-selling edition to date, selling more than 1.1 million copies. Somebody's making some money. Yeah. Now, police started receiving thousands of tips based on the letter, which proved to be fucking useless once again. And because of the pattern of long, dark hair being present with all of the victims to date, thousands of women in New York City acquired short haircuts or brightly colored dyes, and beauty supply stores had trouble meeting the demand for wigs. So Everybody this, was making making a killing on this guy. Not even just that. Like, like all I could think of was, like, this dude legitimately changed the way New York City was running. To a certain degree. Yeah, with fear, yeah. Yeah. Like, that's pretty crazy. Right. When you think the sheer size of New York City. In a very short period of time. Right. Now, on June 26, 1977, Salvatore Lupo and Judy Placido, who was a recent high school graduate, left the Elephas discotheque in Bayside, Queens, and were sitting in Lupo's car at about 3 a.m. where three gunshots blasted through the vehicle. Lupo was hit in the right forearm, and Placido was shot in the right temple, shoulder, and the back of the neck. Again, both survived the attack. Jesus Christ. Yeah, he's a piss-poor shot. Well, what kind of bullets is it? Right, are they made of, are they Nerf bullets? Jesus Are they just, that's what they were. They were just Nerf bullets with a powder charge. All right, here, here, hey, son of Sam, Berkowitz, find the car with the window down, because obviously that glass is taking away some of the... <laughs> Or they were momentum. Four, they were forty-four caliber rounds, but they were only seven grain. Yes. Um, now Lupo told police that they had been talking about the son of Sam moments before they were shot. Of course they were. Yeah, you were really putting some bad juju out into the fucking out into the atmosphere on that one. Now neither victims had seen their attacker, but two witnesses reported a tall, dark-haired man in a leisure suit fleeing from the area, and one claimed to see him leave in a car and even supplied a partial license plate number. Here's another problem I have with this: never fucking go to try to murder anybody, or for that fact, do anything in a goddamn leisure suit. <laughs> I was going to say in your own car, but you were going leisure suit. Oh, yeah, I'm not even worried about the the fucking car thing. Like, it's the leisure suit thing that's really pissing me off. Like, what do you, what do you fucking, like... Especially back then, it was polyester. I know. God awful. Like, what are you, are you trying to look like all of Muhammad Ali's opponents? Is that the goal here? Dude, fuck off with the leisure suit. I hate it. I hate it so much. Now, now that I'm done bitching about leisure suits... With the first anniversary of the initial 44 caliber shootings approaching, police established a sizable dragnet that emphasized past hunting grounds in Queens and the Bronx. But the next and final 44 shooting occurred in Brooklyn. Too little, too late, guys. On July 31st, 1977, 
Stacy Moskovitz and Robert Violante were sitting in Violante's car parked under a streetlight near a city park on their first date. Yeah, this one's sad. They were kissing when a man approached within three feet of the passenger side of the car and fired four shots, striking both victims in the head before he ran off into the park. Violante lost his left eye. Moskovitz, the only blonde victim of Berkowitz, died from her injuries. The night detective John, or I'm sorry, that night, detective John Falatico was given two weeks to work on the Moskovitz and Violante case as a normal murder investigation, and if it could not be solved within that time frame, it was to be given to the Son of Sam task force. Go figure. Now, Cecilia Davis was walking her dog near the scene of the Moskovitz Violante shooting when she saw a patrol officer ticketing, ticketing a car that was parked near a fire hydrant. Moments after the officer left, a young man walked past her from the area of the car and seemed to like study her and be interested in her when he was looking at her. Hmm. She felt concerned because he was holding some kind of a dark object, as she said. So she ran to her home and heard shots fired behind her in the streets. Now, Davis kept quiet about this experience for four days. Fuck you. And then she finally contacted police who closely checked every car that had been ticketed in the area that night. David Berkowitz's yellow 1970 Ford Galaxy was among the cars that they had investigated. On August 9th, 1977, NYPD detective James Justice called the Yonkers Police Department to ask them to schedule an interview with Berkowitz. The Yonkers dispatcher, who first took Justice's call, was Wheat Carr, the daughter of Sam Carr. When Justice mentioned the name David Berkowitz to her, she said, Let me tell you about him. I know him. He lives right behind me. Because Wheat Carr is the daughter of Sam Carr. Sam Carr is the owner of the Black Lib Harvey, right. who is possessed by this demon that was telling David Berkowitz to do this. So when he contacted um, the Yonkers Police Department, this uh, Detective Justice, the person that picked up the phone was the daughter of David Berkowitz's neighbor. Right. How the fuck do you manage to have that bad that of luck in New York City? Horrible fucking luck. Yeah. So she also went on to tell Justice that Berkowitz had shot and wounded their black lab Harvey and that her um, that was her father's dog, Sam Carr. So he also allegedly shot and injured Harvey, the possessed black lab. When Justice heard Sam, he had a good feeling that Berkowitz was the culprit they've been looking for. So, Justice asked Yonkers police for help tracking down David Berkowitz. And according to Mike Novotny, a Yonkers police sergeant, the department had their own suspicions about Berkowitz in connection with the strange crimes in their jurisdiction, which were referred to in one of the Son of Sam letters, and Yonkers investigators even told Justice that Berkowitz might be the Son of Sam. Hmm. Yeah, this one comes together super fast. Right. Now, 
On the following day, on August 10th, police investigated Berkowitz's car, which was parked outside his apartment building at 35 Pine Street in Yonkers. Later to be changed, it was a change of like 42 to take away from the, you know, the lore a little bit. Oh. Now, police saw a gun in the back seat, searched the car, and found a duffel bag filled with ammunition, maps of the crime scenes, and a threatening letter addressed to Inspector Timothy Dowd of the Son of Sam Task Force. Police described or I'm sorry, decided to wait for Berkowitz to leave his apartment rather than risk a violent confrontation in the building's narrow hallway and also had to wait to obtain a search warrant for his apartment. The warrant still hadn't arrived when David Berkowitz exited his apartment building around 10 p.m. and got into his car. So Detective John Falatico approached the driver's side window, pointed his gun at David Berkowitz's temple, while Detective Sergeant William Gardea pointed his gun from the passenger side. When he was apprehended, apprehended a paper bag containing a forty-four caliber bulldog revolver like the one identified in the ballistics test was found next to Berkowitz in the car. And when he was apprehended, Berkowitz stated, quote, Well, you got me. And Falatico remembered the big, inexplicable smile on David Berkowitz's face. And there's a little uh, transcript of how that went back and forth. <laughs> Excuse me. Now that I've got you, Detective Falacito, Falatico said to the suspect, who have I got? And he responded with, you know, the man said uh, in a soft, almost sweet voice, as Detective Falatico recalls. He said, no, I don't. You tell me. And he turned his head and said, I'm Sam. To which Detective Falatico responded, You're Sam? Sam who? And he responded, Sam. David Berkowitz. So I'm like, damn, you're just straight giving it up at this point. Hey, why fight? I, I kind of respect it. It's like Tom Segura said in that one special. He's like, D you, you, can, you can kill somebody. You can't fucking lie for five minutes. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Just lie. Lie for longer. <laughs> now... When police searched Berkowitz's apartment, they found it a mess with satanic graffiti on the walls. They found di oh, oh shit! They found diaries that he had kept since uh, he was twenty-one, three, including three notebooks nearly full, where Berkowitz meticulously noted hundreds of arsons that he claimed to have set throughout New York City. Berkowitz was interrogated for 30 minutes early in the morning on August 11th, 1977. Yeah, again, just fucking lie, try harder to be a bad person, dickhead. Like, you can murder people, but you're just, yep, yeah, no, I did it. Make them work for it a little bit. Jesus. That was me, bro. Um, so he quickly confessed to the shootings and expressed an interest in pleading guilty immediately. During the questioning, Berkowitz claimed that his neighbor's dog was one of the reasons that he killed, stating that the dog demanded the blood of pretty young girls. In a letter to the New York Post dated September 19, 1977, he alluded to his original story of demonic possession, but closed with a warning that has been interpreted by some investigators as an admission of criminal accomplices. It said, quote, There are other sons out there. God help the world. Now, at a press conference in February of 1979, Berkowitz declared that his previous claims of demonic possession were a hoax. David also later stated in a series of meetings with his special court-appointed psychiatrist, David Abrahamson, 
that he had long contemplated murder to get revenge on a world that he felt had rejected and hurt him. Sad, but fuck you. Right. Um, after three separate mental health examinations, Berkowitz was determined to be competent to stand trial. <laughs> Despite this, defense lawyers advised Berkowitz to enter a plea of not guilty by reason of insanity, but he refused to do that. When he appeared in court on May 8th, 1978, he appeared calm as he pleaded guilty to all of the shootings. At his sentencing two weeks later, Berkowitz made a scene when he tried to jump out a window of the seventh floor courtroom. Yeah. After he was restrained, he started chanting, Stacy was a whore, and shouted, I'd kill her again, I'd kill them all again. Another psychiatrist, or another psychiatric examination was ordered by the court before sentencing could proceed, in which he drew a sketch of a jailed man surrounded by walls, and at the bottom he wrote, I am not well, not well at all. No oh, shit. He was still found competent to stand trial. Of course. Yeah, fuck him. You're getting fucked, buddy. On June 12, 1978, Berkowitz was sentenced to 25 to life in prison for each murder to be, conserved, to be served consecutively. <clears throat> Excuse me. He was ordered to serve time in Attica Correctional Facility in upstate New York, which is maximum security. And despite prosecutors' objections, the term of Berkowitz's guilty plea made him eligible for parole in 25 years. Now, in 1979, there was an attempt on Berkowitz's life, which the in which the left side of his neck was slashed from front to back, resulting in a wound that required more than 50 stitches to close. Berkowitz refused to identify his assailant, and he claimed only that he was grateful for the attack. <laughs> It brought a sense of justice or, in Berkowitz's own words, quote, the punishment I deserve. So at least he's not a snitch. So that wraps up my notes, which brings us to the satanic cult theory. What is your input on the satanic cult theory? I think it's actually pretty possible that... I like that you use the word possible because I don't find it plausible, but I find it possible. There is his admission... Which you have to take with a grain of salt, but does make it interesting. The satanic symbolism yeah. makes it even more interesting. The 70s New York, not out of the fucking question. Oh, yeah. Or was it just... The man was not stupid by any stretch of the imagination. He was definitely crazy. But crazy as a fox, But was he say. planning... Or crazy like a fox, right, whatever the saying whatever. is. But was he planning... The symbolism in his apartment, was it just forward thinking to push this narrative? Well, and then there was also, there's also a alleged connection to the Church of Scientology. They There's something about a uh, a receipt found on his person. Hmm. Or, or not, 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 it might not be a receipt, but there was something found within his, maybe not even on his person. I don't remember exactly. Um, but that it was the stationery itself had printed on it. I can't remember the name of the fucking place, but it was like a hotel or a resort, which at that time was the, basically the headquarters for the church of Scientology in like Miami. Hmm. Yeah. Very interesting. 
And then there's there's all these other people that have come out saying, like, anonymously saying that like, oh, we are all. I'm also a son of Sam, and David Berkowitz didn't act alone. But then at the same time, David Berkowitz multiple times has been like, yeah, no, I I it's all I, I did it. Yeah. I mean, it could go. I would not be surprised. Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, this has gone for this has gone on for so long. He's been locked up for so long. He's still alive. Right. Like I said, apparently he's a model uh prisoner at this point he's been moved to multiple different areas of incarceration he leads he's like basically like a half-assed chaplain leads bible leads bible study and shit like that um he found god while he was in prison as everyone does i mean you you got nothing but fucking time bro you find god either in a prison or after a stroke but yeah i mean and i mean it's led to so much stuff like even one of my favorite musicians chris calico has an album called son of sam i mean for movies books all of it he is just the lore of him with you know him ramirez zodiac Zodiac, which i would love to didn't they catch it didn't they pretty much say who he was yeah he's dead but right they found they pretty sure oh zodiac killer will be an episode yeah um but But yeah he's 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 gotta be He's one of the the big Dahmer. He's one of the big ones. He's definitely in the top ten, and that the only reason, I, which is kind of unfair, because I, you know, being as this is my area of interest for this podcast, I know a lot more serial killers than most people. Right. But so, but yeah, he's one of the more popular ones. That, yeah, that because timing wise, this is when they really pushed the serial kill, killer in the news. And this was shortly after the Manson thing, too. Yeah, Manson was, what, 69 to 70? It was basically during the Manson thing. Right. So you had an East Coast, West Coast. You had, you basically had Snoop Dogg versus fucking Jay-Z <laughs> yeah. going on. But you know what? I think this after... I think maybe this there, would be a, there should be a good follow-up episode on this about mm-hmm. the satanic. Let's dive into that a little bit. I, I kind of want to do a whole episode just on the satanic panic. And this... Because the Scientology Scientology link, I was not aware of actually. Yeah. So there might do a whole episode follow up just this. What we think about? Well, that. the Church of Scientology has been at least. Sound like somebody just tapped on that window. It did sound like somebody just tapped on that window. But anyway, um, the Church of Scientology like has half has been connected to a lot of shady shit. This fucking that's the squirrels. Oh, you know what it probably is? It's probably Mama Squirrel fucking out there on that patio. Okay, that's yeah. probably um, But this, uh, Aleister Crowley, there was a connection between the Church of Scientology and Aleister Crowley. Which, well, that, I think we covered a little bit. That was just really between L. Ron Hubbard and... I don't, it, I don't even think it was, uh, it I, wasn't even L. Ron Hubbard. It was like his right-hand man. Well, I think there was a connection between... Or vice versa. Maybe it was Aleister Crowley's right-hand man. Uh, there was something to do with Crowley. Had something to do with... Oh, fuck. I forget his name. Um, What's his name? I believe Disney. And there was another guy. They were all kind of connected to... And I think L. Ron Hubbard was part of that group. L. Ron Hubbard's a fucking... Who was... Interesting situation. Because who was it that is thought to be, oh, was it Bush, 
George Bush Senior? Junior. HW. Yeah, is actually the son of Alistair Crowley. Ah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. The, George H.W. Bush is the supposed to be like the because the illegitimate son of Alistair Crowley. Right, because his mom partied in I believe it was France with Yeah. That's confirmed. Right. Not that uh, not not that he is that they, his they son, were, but they were in the same location yeah. and it apparently banged. Yeah. So there is some weird connections that I do believe that Ron Hubbard had with not that, to mention that group. Yeah, so, not to mention I'm pretty sure didn't Alistair Crowley like confirmed have syphilis. Pretty sure. So good call, Mama Bush. <laughs> yeah. Pick your pick your dick better. <laughs> but that's that a, should yeah. be a shirt. <laughs> Pick better dicks. Pick better dick. Uh, I think that, yeah, that'd be, this would actually be an interesting episode. Maybe we'll. Oh, we, we could, we, we could we're gonna segue some, this into multiple episodes. You're going to do Scientology at some point, and I won't be present for that because I don't need Tom Cruise coming knocking on my door. I mean, so, dude, that's I don't need gonna, Maverick coming after me. That's going to be at least a two part episode. But maybe we can include this in that episode. Well, because L. Ron Hubbard, in and of himself, is a whole episode. Yeah, but we need to we need to dive more into the this because I don't know. I I I think it's very possible. Oh no! But seventies satanic cults worth a big. There's a reason. As much as the especially satan- in New York City, yeah. As much as bullshit as the satanic panic was, it was a false panic essentially. It's tripping me out. But there were and pro- and still are. Those type of occult scenarios gr- groups, yeah, and I think it was probably more prevalent in the seventies and eighties. So it is very plausible that there is something to that. But well, and then I mean, you're talking about when you're talking about these areas with these massive populations. Who knows what else could be sprinkled in there? Right, voodoo, hoodoo, Santeria. Like all those ones that like, like I'm not a, I'm not a religion person. You know that. Right. And even I am like kind of wary of that. Not so much voodoo, but like hoodoo and Santeria. There just seems like there's something going on with that shit. Like something actually going on with that. And I mean, I, I'm not saying that I legitimately believe that, but it's just, it, it just, it's gets so dark. Right. And there's so many stories behind it. Like, especially the zombie episode we did yeah. not too long ago. Well, cause like people talk about voodoo and then some people know about hoodoo. Right. And then when you get into Santeria, it's a whole nother thing. Which is more Christian based. Let's be honest. Santeria yeah. is basically Catholicism. They're yeah. based off Catholicism. Yeah. Which is weird in a. It's kind of weird when you think about it. Makes it even more scary, maybe, or more weird. I don't know. I mean, all those, like, those Haitians and Cubans and shit like that, like, they got their own fucking thing going on, and I don't understand it, but it just seems fucking kind of scary. Yeah, but the 70s were interesting. I think it's very possible that there was something, something to the Berkowitz being a part of a satanic cult. Now, if that has anything to do with him not doing it, probably not. I mean, it's very plausible that he was a part of it, but he was just doing a little extra credit. Right. You know, it was all him that was inspired by this said group or whatever. But I mean, the the the, the brass tacks here is, yeah, there could have been other people that did this shit, but he definitely did 
some of it. But so he should still be fucking imprisoned forever. But does Berkowitz seem like the type that would take the rap for the group? Or I mean, would, he has up to this point. Does he seem like that type? That, or would he seem more like the type that would squeal like a pig once? He didn't even him? snitch on the dude that fucking that is, buck okay, 50 yeah, him you're in right. prison. Yeah, I didn't, yeah, I didn't think that through all the way. But, I mean, because I know I'm a bit of a bitch. If I'm going to prison for being a serial killer and actually there's other people involved, I'm bringing the whole lot down with me. Well, I'm a bitch. And, you know, there's... Like, there's clearly either it's going one of two ways. Either there's obviously actually screws loose, or he's a very good actor. Which, not out of the question with how he writes. And, you know, that brings me back to that first letter. Mm. Maybe that was done on purpose. Yeah. The two. To kind of muddy the waters. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like but then, Ted Bundy was the same way. But then Bundy again, was, go ahead. I think maybe he was this criminal mastermind with mu- writing that in two voices, essentially. Mm-hmm. But then I think you're dumb enough to get a parking ticket, right? I mean, do we do Bundy? We did Bundy, didn't we? No, I think we talked. We didn't ever never did actually. Uh. I don't think we've actually covered other than Dahmer and Ramirez. No, we did Satanic. Did we even do Ramirez? Yeah, I, but we covered him under the... We did BTK. We did BTK. We, we, did, did, uh, we did Ramirez under the Satanic Serial yeah. Killers, which we spoke about this a little bit, too. So what are the big names we've knocked off? We've done Dahmer. We did Gacy, right? Yeah, we did Gacy. We did Gein. We did Ed Gein, who wasn't even a serial killer. We did Ed Kemper. Uh-huh. Now we've done... Berkowitz. Son of Sam. We did... So yeah, we haven't done Bundy. But Bundy's another one. Because I heard uh, one of Bundy's defense attorneys tell a story. Because, you know, after the statute of limitations, you can talk about that shit. Yeah. I'll talk, I'll talk about a fucking interaction that he had with him. Because they kept Ted Bundy, like, while he was going through trial, in, like, that Hannibal Lecter cell by himself. In, in a, like, in the middle of the room and shit. That's how they kept Bundy for a period of time. Hmm. And his, his defense attorney... One, I will give him credit, did not want to necessarily defend Ted Bundy, but he also was like, it was the biggest case in the United States. It would be career suicide to not take that case. But he said he walked in and like Ted Bundy was curled up in a ball, just bawling his fucking eyes out for like two hours like confessing to all these other random murders that weren't even connected to him. And then like just stood up, walked over and faced away from him and turned around and just like was fine. Like went from a bawling mess on the floor to just, oh, hey, Jim. And I'm like, that's the most terrifying fucking thing ever. I do not want to be in the same room with that person. You know, and that's the thing about Bundy. Not really intimidating. No. Smart. Smart as shit. Well, argue. Who, like, well, in his own way. Kemper. Intimidating. Even smarter on top of it. Right. I mean, Literal just, genius. And just size. Intimidating. Yeah, 6'9". Yeah. Huge as fuck. Who else? Dahmer wasn't like a it wasn't particularly... Overpowering nah. presence. No, but... 
Ramirez was a fucking twig. Yeah, I mean, so, but the Charles diff- Manson was like five six. But well, Charles Manson also, before anybody jumps our ass, I know Charles Manson technically isn't a killer. Well, or a serial I, killer. If you read the book, which when we cover, we are going to do Manson at some point. Oh, he I, definitely killed people. He was behind. He did actually kill some people. And mm-hmm. Basically, when we do that episode, it was going to be based off the book. Fuck. What the fuck's the name of the book? The, Helter Skelter? No, the uh, O'Neill book. That came oh, I don't out, know. You read it. I didn't. That came out. Where he, yeah, what, I know what, what you're what talking the about. the the book? No, because that's really fascinating. He basically... Um, Incriminated himself. Because basically Helter Skelter, that book's premise is Helter Skelter was complete bullshit. Yeah. Well, it wasn't Helter Skelter was almost more like a manifesto. Well, Helter Skelter was written by the the, the prosecutor. Yeah. So it was all just that book was written to plead or to propagate his his version of the why it happened, mm-hmm. which was the Helter Skelter defense or uh, not defense, but why what the, have you why. Manson did what he did. No, he did it because he was pissed off because he didn't get a record contract. Fucking twat. Um, but anyway, we have, I think, but Bundy, most serial killers are not, you know, we we go, we are around people, and we see some motherfuckers that are intimidating. Yeah. You're like, oh, fuck, I, don't, I ain't gonna fuck with that son of a bitch. Yeah. Then there's other people you like, oh, it's, I blow them, I blow, blow, not blow them, but blow them breath on him rather hard and he will fall over i'm gonna believe either one from you <laughs> either one I, it's touching it go the only thing way. with ted bundy is he had that crazy eye yeah. but he's not really Dahmer I, just looked like a fucking Dahmer just looked like a like a computer programmer that was just smelling farts all the time <laughs> yes with those fucking glasses yeah god i hated the fucking he thing. looked he looked like a fucking junior high custodian yeah so i mean berkowitz had that and Ramirez, I will get he's a twig, but he had that weird look. Yeah, because he didn't have any fucking teeth and yeah. shit. And he was homeless and dirty. And then he did the whole pentagram thing. Yeah. So, I don't see. But Bundy is one of those. I just don't. Hey, I don't think he was the hottie that you know people make him out. I don't see these. I can't stand this culture of people that want to sexualize serial killers. I think it is the most outlandish, stupid fucking thing possible. Well, women like the bad boys. Which is like the whole Casey Anthony thing. Fuck Casey Anthony. I don't even think she's that hot. Fuck Casey Anthony. Fuck Jody Arias. You you are no longer being fucking like judged on a hot scale once you're a fucking mass mur- a serial killer or a fucking baby killer. I can't and also argue that. Fuck that dude that shot up that fucking outlet mall we talked about earlier. He's dead. Dang. It's the squirrels. Hmm. Cool. Well, Works. <laughs> so we will do a follow-up about the uh, satanic portion of Berkowitz and the Scientology part. I think that'd be a good follow-up. Fuck off, you squeaky bitches. We will We will do that. I mean, and I don't necessarily want to make that a Patreon episode. I think oh. that deserves to head to the masses. Maybe we'll we be can a- make Scientology a Patreon episode so we don't have to worry about them trying to come after us. <laughs> Unless they want to pay two bucks a month or two bucks to hear it. 
I'm not even that worried about them. I, what are they going to do? I You're going to come shut down this money, fucking podcast? If I that... won the lottery, I would join Scientology just to infiltrate. This is my mission. I'd buy all your goddamn books. And then when your I got stupid Thetan meter or whatever the fuck. When, then when I got to the top fucking bridge or whatever they're called, I said, what is this bullshit? Let me see Miscavige. Bring that motherfucker over to me. No, I'd take a picture with Tom Cruise and John Travolta. Then I'd do that. Yes. And say, hey, boys. What's up? Maverick, you guys fight it movie. out yet? All right. All right. I think that's it. We will be back next week with I don't know what. On a day at a time with a topic. It'll be a weekend probably. Maybe Saturday or maybe, I don't know. I don't know because I'm not looking forward to going to work in an hour. I know. I didn't even think we were going to end up doing it. Well, I figured we were going to push I'm, till I'm tomorrow. I'm just that I love the our fans that much. I will make that sacrifice. Fair that enough. Thing I Things I do for you people. But we will be back next weekend <sighs> for another live that will be coming out on your favorite podcast app. Monday tuition. Monday, yeah. Tuesday. Somewhere. Monday tuition. Monday, Tuesday. I don't know. We'll see. We'll get it out. Fuck but it. We will be back. I thank everybody for uh, showing up in the live stream and saying hello in the chat. Thank you. We will see you next week. Travis, hit the button. Let's get the fuck out of here. Okay, bye.